Hmm. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Least Show. The show about everything that's bad and ugly in the NFC East. Uh, the show that has come back with a vengeance this week. Sh- shake up, up and down the NFC East. Two teams that we were talking about crossing off got wins that may put them back in the conversation. The Giants lose a game and Washington kind of pulls away a little bit more. We got a lot to talk about, man. Uh, let's just get right into it. How you doing? You have reached the voice mailbox of Sean Williams. Sean is too busy crying in a corner right now to take this call. (laughs) But leave a message and he'll get back to you later. Well, I get to be in dreamland this week. Let's talk about the first game. (laughs) Eagles win, baby! Back in! Super Bowl or bust! Let's go! Jalen Hurts! Not really, but I mean, (laughs) might as well try and have fun. Um, Eagles win a 24 to well should have been a 24 to 14 ended up a 24 to 21 final score um very surprising we didn't pick it uh i mean i definitely didn't go into it thinking it would be a win i i'll start by saying what i liked before i i feel like i i have to for my eagles fans and for the community at large like do a bit of a heat check on this game but I will say, obviously, had a ton of fun with my family watching a win. And I think we know, we, we at least, Eagles fans now know that we at least have a second round worthy quarterback on our roster as well in Jalen Hurts. I think that, and I'm going to nitpick it, but uh, I think that his poise and his athleticism were on display and it was clearly good enough to get a win. And I don't think anything can like take that away from him or the team. This is a well-deserved W that the team won. Uh, do you have any initial takes to get off before I take over? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was a great win. I mean, on both sides of the ball, you've talked a lot about complimentary football. The Eagles did a great job. The Eagles defense especially did a great job of looking for opportunities and stonewalling a, a kind of limited Saints offense and game planning for them successfully. And on the other side, I mean, Jalen Hurts just added just more dynamism and energy to the offense that's been looking for answers. And now it's not like those answers are necessarily um, home runs every play, but there's something, you know, yeah. and that's that's new. Yeah, I so I do. I I agree with you overall. I think a lot of this. I've been I've been teasing some pessimism coming. I think a lot of this is just to level set expectations about this team because I don't think that Jalen Hurts is a panacea. And I think that the team we saw on Sunday looks a lot more like the team we had seen in the 13 games or so before this than meets the eye, right? But I think that you can rightly say that one of the biggest problems with the team was Carson Wentz's poor play and just removing that variable and putting in someone or something else automatically elevated different parts of this team that couldn't function complementary to each other up to this point. Um, And it was good enough to get a W, which I love. Um, 
I think uh, here are the few things I saw from the offense and how it looks different uh, from me to me from the Wentz offense of the past couple weeks. Um, I think that the Eagles offense, like any offense, like looks to build off of a foundation of like surefire plays, right? Every offense has like a play where it's like, if you need five yards, if you need 10 yards, this is the play we're going to run. And the rest of the playbook kind of evolves from those concepts, right? You establish a three wide receiver set with this route tree, and then you then mix it up and, you know, provide variations or have a different uh, like first option the next time you run that same uh, look so that the defense may be anticipating what they saw before, but gets something slightly different. And the more base trunk plays in the offense you can execute well, the more it opens up more off more options for you for more explosive plays, more dynamic plays down the field, right? The problem with the Eagles offense with Wentz is that they weren't executing the trunk plays at all. Maybe maybe 10% of like the 5 to 10 yard gainers that should be automatic for most top 10 offenses in this league were laborious and inconsistent at best, right? What the Eagles got back with Hertz was consistent execution on those 5 to 10 yard trunk plays, but they were different plays. Instead of having it be like a a five-yard slant that we were hitting 100% of the time. It was a five-yard scramble. It was a five-yard QB option. It was a five-yard swing pass to Miles Sanders, right? And just getting that back into the offense, like establish rhythm, establish tempo. We won the time of possession game. And I think it, 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 you know, it, it all led up to a win. However, it is very concerning to me still that there was a ton of interior pressure still being won against this offensive line, something Wentz couldn't handle, but Hertz was able to put a Band-Aid over with his escapability to the outside. We didn't challenge the middle of the field at all in the pass game, um, and there was no verticality to the pass game at all. And that kind of one-dimensionality, I guess, makes me very concerned that this may have just been a... Uh, I guess a change-up game, not a lot of tape out on Hertz, not a lot of tape out on what the Eagles offense tries to do with Hertz. That if they don't have other options besides what we saw, it's gonna be very easy for the Cardinals, uh, the Cowboys, even, and especially Washington in week 17 to counterpunch us defensively. Yeah, I agree. I think I was a little baffled by the Saints defensive approach in the first half. Um, the Eagles had several big drives, including one where the field goal was just completely botched by Jake Elliott from like 22 yards or something. I think Jake Elliott's the more egregious contract than Carson Wentz, to be completely honest. Like, if we cut him, we owe, I think, $8 million in dead cap, uh, which is ridiculous for a kicker. But I digress. <laughs> yeah, I think you're like just paying a kicker that much money is almost never a good idea. Um, but that's just a Howie thing. I don't know. Uh, but I was just like the Saints defense. It didn't feel like they were really spying on Hertz at all in the first half, especially like the way that they were rushing the passer was allowing for um, to almost like over pursue the pocket. And then Hertz was just stepping up and running with it and moving to the outside. And the Saints defensive ends did not have the quickness to catch him. 
And I just felt like I watched that play like eight times in a row where Hertz is like scrambling for a first down, getting to the edge, beating some lumbering guy um, and getting out of bounds safely. And in the second half, I thought it was tightened up a little bit. So to me, it's a question of do other teams concede time in the pocket for Hertz and limit his running ability instead? going forward i think that's that's kind of what i'll be looking for yeah and i i think that's exactly what i'm getting at when i talk about one dimensionality right because if that's how the eagles are going to get their base offense plays hurt scrambles you know quick hot you know hot reads out to miles sanders like defenses can easily take that away now as an offense when defenses do sell out to stop yards um, coming five to 10 yards at a time, that's when you try to challenge them over the top, right? I've seen nothing that gives me confidence that the Eagles receivers can still execute that. Uh, the Eagles offensive line can give a quarterback a clean pocket enough for that to develop. And I, I still didn't see that on Sunday. So, I mean, I'll take the W. It was a fun Sunday. Um, but in terms of everything we've been talking about, the, about the, this Eagles team, like I, I, I didn't see like maybe you would want to see in like a quarterback change to get super hyped about that. Like, Oh man, like this offense has been like carrying Carson Wentz up to this point. Right. And he's been bad. Right. What I saw was like the same offense with a different quarterback, but that quarterback was able to counter the weaknesses of this offense better than what Carson Wentz could. Um, I I, I do also want to say too, to your point about complementary football as well. Uh, this Eagles defense, like I think showed up today and they have been showing up for the past couple weeks. I think one can even make an argument that uh, the, the four game skid we were on before this week, those are all winnable games for a top 15 offense with the way the defense was playing, but this offense was playing bottom 15 bottom 25 whatever you want to say like at best and that was was really costing us games right just the mere fact that we had an above replacement level offensive unit meant that we got a w um and i think that that if you want to draw a narrative that maybe inspires some hope that maybe we go on like a three game run here to close out the season that's it that this offense doesn't have to be super vertical doesn't have to blow teams out they just need to be functional and then maybe this defense picks up the slack. Yeah, I, I think definitely, in a way, the Eagles are now trying to mimic the model of Washington and the Giants of just steady defensive football that doesn't get blown out, doesn't draw too many penalties, right? And then an offense that kind of picks its spots, plays for field position, eventually knocks them in. Um, and has a quarterback who can use his legs to move around a little bit. I think that's they're all kind of now in the same bucket. Yep. And I do want to say before we close this, uh, I have said not in take around the league, but in other circles that I think Taysom Hill is a fraud. And I think we saw that <laughs> unfold display on Sunday. He's not a he's not a passer of the football at all. If he's not given a like a ten yard throw window to hit a wide open receiver in Sean Payton's spacing offense, he's useless. So I mean, 
I think that the Eagles defense made him look what he is. And if you're going to bet on the Saints being a playoff football team, you can't do it. You can't trust Taysom Hill in the playoffs. Well, it's time to go to Vegas, pal. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's move on to uh the Cowboys getting a I think we both picked this win this week against the Bengals. I guess yeah. my question is is uh you know, do you, it it was a blowout win. It was a blowout with authority win. Uh is this a statement game for this team? Are they are they actually improving or did they make a bad team look bad? Yeah, just from watching it it felt like the cowboys looked better and the Bengals are bad but they're not like let, let's be clear they're very bad but they're not like blown out by the cowboys 30 to 7 bad there were some weird breaks that went the cowboys you know, way, especially do early. you think do you think though that like they can't become blow out by the cowboys 30 to 7 bad entering week their third or fourth week with Finley a quarterback and it's getting to the end of the year. Like you don't think that these guys aren't just showing up and cashing checks at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When, when you have Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley throwing you the ball, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. And uh, I'm sure the defense, the defense really has not been to the Bengals defense, at least the last couple of weeks that I watched, maybe, maybe I'm too biased by the fight they put up against my, Again, bad Giants team a couple of weeks ago, but I think it has as much to do with the Cowboys executing on the road and forcing turnovers and making the Bengals uncomfortable as it does with the Bengals just being a kind of no talent organization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a complete disaster. Yeah. I, it's, a, no, a no talent organization. That is. Without Joe Burrow, I mean, I just. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean. Literally, like the two turnovers in the first half for um, the Bengals were like just the most incompetent turnovers you've ever seen in your life. Like a guy gets hit and the ball, like as like a running back, and the ball pops up like straight in the air, like yeah. like it's a Looney Tune situation. What's happening? Um, it's it's hard for me to take too much away from it, but at the same time, this is a Cowboys team that we've dug into a lot I think rightfully so and so we do have to give them kudos for for coming out and getting taking care of business in a big way especially on the road I yeah I really can't can't find too much to hate this week yeah I do I do think we need to give them props uh Tony Pollard looked great uh, <laughs> when do we get Tony on the podcast <laughs> he had a, hey he had a great kick return uh, he I think he caught does, a touchdown, he, right? He has like a 55 yard <laughs> kick return. Um, I, yeah, I, it's just, they remain crossed off to me. I, I still, at this point, I think two games is too much of a hillless amount for them against, uh, the Washington football team with three games left, especially since they've already played Washington twice and lost both games, you know, that, that two game separation could just be the games they dropped there. Right. Um, but I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, just looking around the NFC East, I think that, I think they pretty clearly have the easiest schedule to close out the year. So if Washington, you know, if Washington stumbles a bit, uh, I think that our cross off could be, uh, could be in jeopardy, but I, I think that I still feel pretty safe in, 
having them remain crossed off, even if they may end the season on a four game winning streak that uh, gets fans excited again and has them feeling optimistic down in Dallas. Yeah, I think uh, the other teams did enough this week to stay ahead of them. And the window mm-hmm. to catch up is just so small. Three games left, you're down two, and the Redskins or the the Washington football team owns the tiebreaker against you is just not insurmountable, but a lot would have to break right. And I haven't seen enough good out of this Cowboys team to trust them to make it happen. Yeah. I could easily see this Cowboys team sweeping the last three games on their slate and still coming up anywhere from a half game to two games out of a playoff spot. Yeah. And it's just the way it goes to this Dallas team this year. I, I, and honestly, I would love for Dallas to feel optimistic. I think that there is good things moving for them right now, but I just don't know how much you can actually take from even this team performing well, besides maybe McCarthy having more authority and being more of the, uh, of a, of a consensus good hire for this team going into next year, but being down Dak, having such a, I, I can't imagine their defense will really start looking like the, uh, the steel curtain or something over these last three games, either having to rebuild so much of that part side of the ball on a, on a small cap. I, I still think it's a rough off season for them this year, but uh, the cross off lives for the Cowboys. Uh, and we, I was so excited about the Eagles. We didn't even talk about them as cross off candidates. I, they survive again. I think, I think we need to do this. I think we need to keep it another week. We do. We do. We, we Last week, we were on the fence about crossing them off. The only reason we didn't do it was because the J1 Hurts variable, that unknown, you didn't know what you were going to get. Turns out you got something good. Um, you have to stay in it. I mean, they're, they're right there now in the race, and they do have enough divisional games left to kind of dictate their future. Yeah, and I, I think this is a good time to jump right into the next uh the next topic because i think that of the two teams that the eagles can catch it's looking like your giants buddy that may be the team <laughs> altering down the stretch <laughs> yeah this was a which i listen really... listen i'm the one who kept saying there i like them over over uh over washington to win this division and i specifically cited that i i like their boom potential on offense over the dutiful Washington yeah. offense. And I feel like that take got sour real quick after what was almost a shutout performance by this giants offense against the Cardinals. Uh, I, you know, uh, the Cardinals, I mean, Hey, I'm happy that the super bowl champion Cardinals live to see another day on their championship run this year. Good job on that, buddy. Um, but they made your giants look horrible in the process. Um, and it wasn't even that, I don't really think like that much of a, uh, of a, of a dominating performance from, uh, from the Cardinals. I think the giants defense was, was doing a lot to keep them in the game, but your offense just couldn't get anything going. Uh, what, what was your takeaway from that game? Yeah. The giants offense looked like Rutgers against Ohio state a little bit, just, (laughs) totally hapless and like every first down feels like a small miracle could not get anything going daniel jones played despite um having a nagging hamstring injury i think it was clear just watching him 
he was not 100 percent um but i think it's also clear from his performance that if you take away daniel jones's mobility right now he really does not offer too much uh, he's just too panicky in the pocket he misses reads his accuracy can be good but it's just not he's just too prone to disaster and when you don't have great playmakers on offense which the Giants don't you're leaving yourself forced to create 10 to 12 play drives for touchdowns and 10 to 12 plays is just too many chances for Daniel Jones to mess something up right now uh, it stings. I don't. I. I earlier. I think after the Bucks game earlier this year, we talked about what the Giants do in terms of moving on from Daniel Jones or sticking with him. I think then I said they need to see how the rest of the season plays out, and I think you're still in that situation. You, you know, there's no better option really going forward, and there is potential for him to develop as kind of a game manager, scrambling quarterback. But right now, the offensive potential is just completely bereft they look they just look bad and you have to wonder if Jason Garrett is sweating a little bit after some uninspired play calls um so we'll see I mean I think the defense played great I thought they were put in horrific field position all day long and stepped up and continued to fight despite their offense doing nothing for them and giving them no favors so it's a, it's a tough situation. The Giants have looked hot lately. It's only one game. You don't want to overthink it. Maybe they just came out flat. Maybe yeah. the game script went wrong early and they couldn't recover. But it is disheartening, and it does feel like a huge regression from, I think, what every Giants fan was hoping to see after a four-game win streak. Yeah. Uh, I, not that I, I think that any of us were going to um... – take anyone coming out of this division seriously as playoff contenders but for being one of the horses in a two-horse race if you were to edge out washington for that coveted nfc east seven and nine playoff spot this year uh this is the type of game that doesn't really make you that confident about how your team actually shows up in january right uh to me i think i said this when i picked the cardinals to win it's you know this is an afc west team that clearly has better pieces on both sides of the ball than the giants do. And the giants would have to rest on how well they were executing to get a W and they just didn't execute on one side of the ball and a better team that also wasn't necessarily firing on all, all cylinders with their backs against the wall, just dominated in a win, you know, um, it actually, you know, the giants actually reminded me a lot of how the Eagles had looked in the the Wentz games, right? Don't like, do this to me. I'm just saying it's it, <laughs> impotence from the quarterback position, uh, combined with you know a defense trying to keep a team in the game, but ultimately they're not a shutdown top five defense either, and they just got ground ground down over time by you know a, an offense that actually was getting some things going. You know, yeah. um, I don't I don't know how much you can actually take away from this, but uh. You know, I, I hope the Giants bounce back. That will validate my take. And <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I Do you think, I mean, to your point about Jason Garrett, right? Um, Like, is, 
is it a scheme thing or is it a personnel thing? Because I, I think that, you know, being down Saquon, obviously for the year, um, not having a real X factor at the receiving position, especially since Evan Ingram refuses to step up and be anything. Um, like, is it just Jason Garrett with better players around Daniel Jones elevates this offense? Or do you feel that Jason Garrett just isn't scheming the pieces he has um, into the right positions? Or is he just so limited that like he's trying to call the game he play and he knows gives them the best chance to win and some games it just doesn't work out, you know? Yeah, I think I'm not trying to be I think all three points you raise have a part to play, and I'm not trying to be too like I'm not suggesting that they fire Garrett necessarily or anything like that. I think it comes from Garrett's scheme is very air core yell, conservative hand off the ball or throw it deep and have jump ball opportunities. There's not a whole lot of like modern West coast offense scheming your receivers open across the middle of the field type stuff. Um, and I think that's fine. It's actually the way the giants offense has usually worked. It was kind of like the, the Kevin Gilbride offense back in the Eli Manning Super Bowl days. So, you know, it's, it's certainly feels familiar. Um, but I think that kind of offense needs, a base layer of execution or a superior talent in order to work. Like, let's say, like, take the DeMarco Murray Cowboys, right? Back in the day when Murray ran for like 1,600 yards or whatever. Yep. They were just able to assert themselves over opponents and and grind them down. You know, just, just ball control, conservative play calling, five yards every play, just slowly beat you into oblivion. And that takes a a level of talent and pedigree that the Giants just don't possess. So it's a little bit of everything. I would like to see them change things up. It's hard to know how much of this is on Daniel Jones and what can be done differently there. And it's and it's hard to know how much they knew he was hampered by hamstrings this week and and had to scheme around that. So again, one week. I don't want to get too down about it, but it, it was really a a profoundly unfun football game to watch. Just a total <laughs> beat down for three and a half hours on a Sunday, which is never, never well, a good feeling. I don't want to say I'm happy that you're sad, but I'm happy that you understand how I had felt for a month. <laughs> okay. First of all, how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> As if the Giants weren't one and seven. <laughs> 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 Oh, you feel my pain? Like, my team hasn't dropped draft into the fucking top 10 for like <laughs> eight great <eight> years. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> you have just... five bad fucking. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> you're, you're a game and a half ahead of us this year, still, man. So, I, <laughs> I think I can still play that card. I think it's, it's um, down to half game, pal. What? It's down, down to half game? Yeah, it's that close. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then I uh, then you should feel a half game better than I do, and that comment still (laughs) deserved. Uh, (laughs) I won't drive the knife in anymore. Let's talk about something that you're right about, which is the Washington football team. Uh, they I picked the Niners to win. Honestly, there were parts in that game where it thought like that take may shine through. Uh, but Washington's defense, man, uh, 
not only stymieing uh, Kyle Shanahan at multiple points, but also picking up, I think, 10 points on their own, 10 or 14 points on their own. I think they actually scored two touchdowns. Yeah. I think they only scored, I think they, the only unit that scored touchdowns for the Washington. On <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of that, uh, we could talk about Alex Smith, uh, a bit, uh, there's some question marks there at quarterback now, but God, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, man, uh, I've now come around on them. I haven't really talked about them much on the pod. I've been trying to pretend like Washington is not a contender this year, but that defense is legit. I think, I think they're top five in, uh, defensive DVOA entering week 16 and, that is our week 15. And that's like, not nothing. <laughs> I, would actually, yeah. Yeah, I would say that they're, they might be top five on the year, but if you were to take one defense in the whole NFL right now, f- over the last three or four games, I don't, I think you look no further than Washington. Montez sweat is an absolute beast. Looks yeah. like a Watt out there. It's unbelievable. Uh, Chase Young is really figuring it out. I know maybe at the start of the year there were some growing pains, but it's clear that his his athleticism is shining through now that he kind of knows what to do. And he, I think, trusts the other members of that defensive line. You know, it, it helps you make plays when you know that somebody else is, has your back and is doing his job. So uh, they're great. They, they put up 23 points again, which is just delightful. Dutiful uh, <laughs> <Dutiful> as always. <laughs> Right Which is great world. to see, right? Like if the offense is struggling, the defense is willing to pitch in and help them get to the 23-point <laughs> mark. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I not much else to say there. I mean, I, 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 I think I maybe regret the pick a bit in hindsight. Just I forgot that the Niners are homeless right now. I don't think playing in Arizona really helped them all that much. Yeah. The Niners offense with Nick Mullins did show some fight. I, I think that they were probably the better offensive team in that game. Uh, but it, there was just nothing. There was no answer ultimately for that Washington defense. And I think that, you know, I still have to live and die by my giants when the division take, but if I have to, uh, if I have to go to Vegas and bet on a division winner at this point, I, it has to be Washington. And, uh, and uh, I, I think their defense is the only unit in the NFC East now playing at a, uh, playing at a playoff level. Yeah, I think you're, first of all, I can't wait for the Washington Saints matchup so that we can really double hammer your Taysom Hill hate. Oh, man. Don't make me want that to happen, man. Now I really want to do a pod where I just get to be a Washington fan for a week (laughs) and go in on Taysom Hill. Like, I want him to get murdered by Montez Sweat. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) What? What did Taysom Hill do to you? exist man he went to byu i hate him (laughs) never gonna get mitt romney on his pod this is just a podcast for like misanthropes (laughs) speaking of which yeah we got us preview next week's games uh i want (laughs) to i want to bring that that uh that dose of misanthropy misanthropy is that what it would be it's beyond me. We'll have to ask Taysom Hill if he knows. <laughs> uh, to this week's games, uh, let's let's kick it off with the the, uh, the, the two cross off candidates. Uh, Eagles Cardinals first. Um, what are you thinking? Do you think 
Do you think Jalen Hurts continues to be an X factor here? Or are you, are you betting on the Super Bowl champion Cardinals to get another W on their campaign to the Lombardi? Yeah. So the Cardinals are running the table. Uh, (laughs) Once again, I think they have to, for me to be right. And so that's what they're going to do. And I also think I'm, I, I like what the Eagles are doing um, with Hertz. Obviously it looked good this week and it's shown you, you saw flashes even when he was in against the Packers, but Arizona prevent presents a, a real conundrum for the Eagles defense, which is like a scrambling quarterback. Um, I, I having watched the Daniel Jones games this year, I know that sometimes those Eagles linebackers can get lost in pursuit and give up big chunk plays. And Kyler Murray is really fast. It's not something that you necessarily saw too much against the Giants, but the Giants might have one of the best quarterback contained systems in the league. Like they didn't allow Russell Wilson really to run at all. Um, and I don't think. Kyler is going to have the same issue against the Eagles. On the other side of the ball, I think the Cardinals have the secondary to match up one-on-one against the Eagles' skill position talent and get away with it and maybe send another guy at Hurts or spy him or something. So in the end, I do think the Eagles are going to put up a fight, but I'm going to say Arizona uh, 26-17. to 17. It's a great score. Uh, it kind of matches what I'm saying. First, I want to say uh, the the flag football team that I that I play with sometimes um, that's comprised of my fantasy football league friends could probably match up well against the Eagles receivers. So I don't think that's saying much about the Cardinals defense. Um, I will say I think the big X factor for me actually is uh, the injury we didn't talk about. Um, this past game for the Eagles, Rodney McLeod going down for the season, um, especially with Slay coming in and out of games. I don't think he won't play, but he's clearly kind of hobbled at this point. Um, I don't like the Eagles secondary unless Schwartz comes in with another great game plan um, against the receiving options here. And e- even if even if the Eagles are able to contain Kyler um, and this diet Sean McVay offense um, <laughs> like the Giants were able to do last week. Um, I I still don't think that the Eagles have enough juice, especially with my anticipated counterpunch coming here um, to outscore this Cardinals team. So I, I, I think it's something similar. I think it's like 27 to uh, let's say 27 to 21 okay. uh, Cardinals win. Uh, Cowboys Niners. Uh, this is an interesting one because, uh, I, I kind of think that, like I said, I I saw some life out of this Niners offense. I think Shanahan likes calling plays for Mullins, but I ultimately don't think, I think Mullins is a liability back there still. Um, that being said, I mean, if they can move the ball against Washington, even with the turnovers they had, they should be able to move the ball against this Cowboys team. I think this is one of those like sneaky, not high scoring, but still like kind of a boat race game where it could be like a 30 to 40 point game on both sides. If, if yeah. there were no turnovers, but there will be turnovers as well. Yeah. That will like cap it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm curious, like what you, what in that kind of game, uh, I mean, disagree with me if you don't think it's going to go that way, but in that type of game, where, where's it falling more on the Cowboys side, more on the Niners side. 
I think the Cowboys have more big play options. Um, I think they will. It it wasn't really apparent in the Washington game because Washington is pretty anemic on offense, and you can pretty much triple cover Terry McLaurin. But I think something is going to slip past the San Fran defense. It's a matter of time. Um, they're just they've got too much explosive potential, and I think they are starting to put it, put together. So I'm gonna say Cowboys. Um, I'll go 28 to 27 in a squeaker. Yeah, I think it is going to be a a close one on both sides, and I do think it probably gets close to, if not cracks, the 30 point barrier on both sides. I say what you I I do hear you that in theory Amari Cooper, who has been playing really well the past couple of weeks, C.D. Lamb, uh, and Tony Pollard. Uh, a lot of a lot of problems for the the Niners defense um but uh you know I like I like what I saw from the Niners offense I like uh Ayuk uh I think with a with a better quarterback and just like like less injuries on offense would look like a potential rookie of the year this year um and then uh Mostert looked really good um I feel like this is a game. If I if the Cowboys are what they are, this is a game they lose, and I have to go with my gut on this. But I think it's like a thirty-four to twenty-eight loss. Okay. Yeah. Um, Seahawks, Washington, the last NFC East game for the Seattle Seahawks this year. Uh, they're play. They're facing probably the best defense they've faced in this division all year, and they're getting them at the time where they're playing at their hottest. Does that do anything to Russell Wilson? Uh, what are you thinking? I actually think the the way Washington is constructed is plays a little bit into ru- what Russell Wilson is good at. The Seahawks blew the doors off the Jets last week. Of course, I think your fan, your flag football team. The Jets. <laughs> the, Jets, the Jets defense actually is the people I play flag football with. <laughs> Williams we go up to Florham Park. You know, I get I get former Jets GM Mike Tenenbaum to get you know in, <laughs> eat some ham after Christmas, play some flag football, just have a great time. Then we hit up the links at uh, Trump National Golf Course in Bedminster. <laughs> this is how you're just flexing your Jersey bona fides now, like all your Jersey talk. And then we go down 278. We hit a little spot I know. <laughs> Pick up some Taylor Ham. <laughs> for the record, just for listeners, we are both pork roll guys. And if you don't know yeah. what that means, turn this off. But I, I think so. The Giants did a great job of limiting Wilson's escapability through their kind of fast young linebackers and safety play. Washington's pressure comes almost entirely from its front four, which is a little more conventional. And I think Wilson can carve it up a little bit better. I also don't think they have a guy who matches up super well against DK Metcalf. Um, So I'm actually going to say the Seahawks win, but I still love Washington to take the division. But I think the Seahawks are going to win a kind of classic uh, 27 to 20 situation. Yeah. Um, I think I'm feeling the same. Uh, I think that I think 
I, I hate to go against our bit, but I don't see this uh this Washington offense putting up more than 20 points this week, especially if it's Dwayne Haskins back there. That's true. That's true. I, I don't think, know I, what I think that's a, I think that's one thing that we, uh, that we need to consider with this Washington team moving forward is if the, the calf tightness that Alex Smith experienced is anything serious or is something that could recur or that forces Dwayne Haskins to play more football this year than he probably should. Um, that really impacts Washington's ability to win games, even if their defense shows up. So I'm actually going to say a 27 to 14 win for the Seahawks. But I do think this is the last time Washington looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, I think they win their last two games, but this is, this is, this is the, this is the loss that makes everyone question the NFC East again. And makes it every, makes it feel like a something up for grabs over the last two weeks, you know. Yeah. Even if it isn't, even if we know that's not true, that's how exactly, feel. exactly. Yeah. In the same been... way, in the same way, the Cowboys winning this week makes it feel like they're back in it, even though we all know they're not, you know. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, and that leaves us with the last game: Giants Browns. Uh, Giants looking pretty anemic. Browns coming out of nowhere with an explosive offense the past uh, couple games, even in the loss against Baltimore, they put up 40 points. Baker's looking good. What are you thinking? I think this looks bleak uh, for the giants. I think it's going to be a 30 to 13 blowout Cleveland. Um, It's on Sunday night football, which is always a nightmare for New York. Um, The Browns just look like a hot team who's playing good competition like i think that matters week over week like if you're going up against really good players um you're kind of sharpened for that and then suddenly you're up against the giants offense and you're like what it's i think it's going to feel like easy mode a little bit on the other hand the giants defense should put up a fight i I I think it's going to look a little similar to what we saw in arizona just too many opportunities for Cleveland to punch the ball in and the Giants just kind of treading water on offense at best. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think this is a Browns win. I think it's something more like 27 to 14. Uh, I will give them one touchdown less, but uh, I think the Browns have found their stride. The only thing, the only X factor here, right? And this is getting into like, armchair sports psychologist right is the browns historically are not used to being in this position in december i think Stefanski's doing a great job of hardening their mentality right but they lost a pretty big game on monday night against a division rival and i think that a paper tiger playoff team would crumble against a team like the giants the week after that especially on a somewhat short week right um but I I just get a sense that this Browns team does have the mentality and can view that as we dropped one against the also coming on Ravens team. And we're still very much in the AFC playoff race and we need this win to solidify that. And they're going to go out and get it. Yep. So let's move on before we, before we take around the league, we're going to open up the NFC least mailbag for the first time. We got to talk hot coaches. (laughs) <laughs> this podcast <laughs> is about three things Kenny Albert, the NFL circa 2002 and 
whether a hot coach has ever won a Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) So first I want to open up the mailbag. We did get, we did get a response on our question. Uh, Has a hot coach ever won a Super Bowl? We got, we got chalk one up for my pick. Mike Tomlin. Uh, A listener emailed in Rob. He said, uh, not only is Mike Tomlin a hot coach, he reminds him of a Hollywood actor, Omar Epps. Just like I said. Yeah. So I, I mean, think I'm on to something. I, I, this, first of all, it's, yeah, it's, I think Rob is on the money here with the Omar Epps comp. I think your Chadwick Boseman comp is <laughs> generous. <wrong. laughs> just, <laughs> just not there. <laughs> it's like, it would be a little bit like casting, like, <laughs> I, I don't know, like, Matt LaFleur as Matthew McConaughey or something. Like, it's not like 1997 Matthew. In any case, yeah, I think Omar Epps is a great comp. Look, I'm I'm glad to eat. I'll, I'll take this one. If we think Tomlin is a hot coach officially. I think he's the closest thing to a hot coach. But you've done some research. You want to oh, throw yeah. out some You want to throw out some names? Yeah, just so I, I had to take some time. I looked up every Super Bowl winning coach and then went to Google Images and kind of saw what the deal was around the time they won the Super Bowl, which felt important. Um, I do. Yeah, we we can't we can't judge every every head coach is a middle aged man, but some of these middle aged men have become old men in the times that they've won a Super Bowl, and I don't think we can be judging old man swag against their middle aged swag when judging their objective hotness here. You know, right. and I think that actually that actually helps out Mike Tomlin a little bit. I think because he won the Super Bowl, you know, like a like a decade or more ago now, right? Yeah. So like he's he was especially young then. So I do think from that perspective, I get it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, the other coaches who I think would have been considered hot at the time, uh, we have Tom Landry with the Dallas Cowboys, strong jawline, good fashion sense. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Mike Ditko with the classic eighties power mustache, you know, the blue and orange bears colors, just a good, ensemble i think your 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 hot guy's hot guy is yeah i tom landry has a lot of like eisenhower to him you know yes (laughs) just like that classic kind of like pseudo presidential kind of you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah like strong eyebrows just like kind of carved out of like the face is very defined i i think eisenhower is actually a good comp for tom landry uh you know, and you then, miss on Bozeman, you nail it on Eisenhower, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this podcast makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, I yeah. stand by all my takes. So I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Ditka's your other one. I don't think anybody else is really contender. I could make an argument for... Barry Switzer, um, and I think now Mike Tomlin, you could, you have a strong argument for it too. But it's a, it is a short list, man. I, we're not working with a lot of, a lot of potential. I don't know how we're gonna decide this, this hot coach thing. We might need to get like a, like a tribunal together, like a objective, some sort of objective measure, you know? Right. Like I'm, I'm trying to think if there's like some sort of like blind test we can do where we ask people who don't know anything about football like which of these is this man hot right. 
before you do that with enough, it'll be like on like a YouTube ad, like before you like watch the actual video and it'll be like, select which of these images you find the most attractive. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, just like a basic hot or not like X, like coach yeah. A, coach B, you know, and just see how many, uh, how many votes those get, you know? Yeah. And I do want to remind our audience, the reason why this is on our minds is we need to know whether Cliff Kingsbury or Sean McVay are capable of winning a Super Bowl in their lifetime. That is the only reason why we were curious about this. I would argue that <laughs> is McVay, there a precedent for a hot coach to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> I don't think Sean McVay is hot, but that's, you don't? that's a take for another time. His, his face is weirdly shaped to me. The way the hairline frames his forehead and then the beard frames his jaw is weird. Cliff Kingsbury. Sure. I, I mean, I, I, I can definitely agree with you there. I don't want Sean McVay to be hot, but I think that if we, <laughs> I, think if we <laughs> I think that if we threw him in this hot or not competition, he would get a lot of votes. Okay. You know, right. Right. he's got, a, you know, you know, I've talked to you about his girlfriend, man. <laughs> we have to get the take around the league. But I do want to say one thing that really infuriated me this past week was uh, there was a there was like a clickbait article about the Rams bye week, and Sean McVay's wife was quoted as saying like, "I I just couldn't get him to stop watching NFL Red Zone." And then like the the article was like, "Sean McVay is just like us. Coaches are just like fans." And I'm just shut up. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> this is your take around the league. Sean McVay is exactly like how many other millions of people on Sunday? He's not any, he's not special. Stop making Sean McVay out to be special. Everyone. Right. How does that get clicks? You know, like, you know, if, uh, if freaking like, what's his name? Uh, like Peter Schrager tweeted out Sean Rafter. He was on his ass watching red zone, eating ice cream all day. He's just like us. No one would give a shit. His mom is quoted as being like, I can't get this guy out of the house. I wish he didn't fall off the Stop glorifying Sean McVay. And now on to my real take. We need to stop poop shaming athletes. <laughs> this You're take around the league, that is my take. If those of you who do not know, Lamar Jackson left the Ravens game in the fourth quarter clearly to take a shit. And he felt so ashamed to admit to it in the postgame presser. He lied. Unprompted, he compared himself to the Paul Pierce episode of Paul Pierce leaving a playoff game because he shat his pants. And he felt the need to defend himself. This shame should not be on, on, on our athletes. If they need to shit during a game, they should feel free to shit during a game and not be questioned that they deserted their team in the fourth quarter, that they cost the team the game. If they cost the team the game, people shit. You can't control when you shit. It's fine. Lamar Jackson, I'm sorry that was on you. You shouldn't feel the shame. You should be able to tweet out right now. Guys, I pooped, and all of us should be able to clap for him and be very proud that he had the strength to publicly admit that he took a shit during a football game. That is my take. We should all clap. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is your 18-month-old who you are trying to potty train, apparently. I agree that we have a certain, not you and me, but the American public has a certain fixation with uh, just poop in general and making jokes about it. Um, it does get old kind of fast. but I actually sort of think it's more like the, uh, like I think we as fans, 
we we still have this like kind of like glorification of our athletes as if they're like soldiers right like they're u.s army soldiers and that like if someone needs to go take a shit you're like leaving your platoon <laughs> on the front lines you know right. what i mean and it's like th- these yeah. players still feel that shame and the presser to have to like lie about it like no i didn't desert my teammates you know and like i was cramping i, I had no control over it you know like right. first of all like no one controls really when they shit right like the fact that there's this assumption like oh you should have shit before the game you know why were you so like the fact that it could be something under control is already dubious to me right but then also furthermore we shouldn't be shaming stuff like that this is not world war ii all right this is not like (laughs) these are not soldiers these are professional athletes and they're human they're performing for us yes it's not ideal but like if you have to do it you have to do it you know this is this is a good take i think you're spot on what's your take man my take is that ninety uh, percent of football is not fun to watch. Uh, please, <laughs> and please, the reason, please, please explain. It's literally not fun to watch. I watch maybe it's because I watch NFC East football most of the time. Uh, thanks for that, but um, you're welcome. <laughs> I, honestly, it's this has been so much fun, and but but the games are really can be a slog, and suddenly your team is losing by. 20 points and you have to sit through just these inane commercials every three minutes the commercials are unbearable and it's just not really like a dramatic product or something that is super easy to get invested in and the reason why i think this is because the ravens browns game was so good and so much yeah. fun. like it, it it i think what every football fan probably does not enjoy most of the games they watch but we're all kind of chasing the dragon for that that once in a while just stellar game that is has tension and looks great and both teams are clearly just playing their asses off. I think that's what we're all looking for and I think that's why we'll tolerate so much just kind of boring football um, in the meantime. I think another way to put this take is uh, the... 75 million or so people that wait to watch football until the Super Bowl every year are probably right. They're, most, <laughs> they're the most healthy people. Like, like I they, know there, they, there was that one that. Super Bowl where like the Seahawks blew the doors out of the Broncos, but usually you're getting the most hard fought dramatic game of football of the year that night. And I think that the millions that are just like, you know what? I'm out until the, the big one happens are probably right. Yeah, like, like, do you disagree? Do you think that, like, like when you put on like a random Colts uh, Raiders game or something, are you like necessarily enthralled by it? Like, no, I mean that's why that's why I watch Red Zone more than I watch actual games. Like, I it's more like I want to be informed of the storylines and know how my fantasy team is doing (laughs) than it is like a an actual investment in the sport or the game itself every single game most of the time it's not fun but when it is fun it's it's worth it and it's really fun yeah i can get behind that all right man we got we got preseason sixers to watch i think so let's call this one let's call this one here uh please wait review subscribe on apple podcasts send us your feedback and your hot coaches at nsc least mailbag at gmail.com Sean, thank you 
as always, for joining me this week. Until next week, I'll see you, man. Yep. Take it easy, pal. Yep. Bye.